Welcome to Good Christophian Talks. I'm Levi. And I'm Chris. And I'm Brian. Thank you for joining us this week. On this podcast, we select one talk a week to help us get the Bible in our daily newsfeed. We post a new episode at the start of each week with a short intro beforehand to kind of set the stage for the talk you're about to listen to. And now, let's talk more about this week's talk. For this week, we're listening to an exhortation that was given uh, June 18th, just a few weeks ago, uh, which was also Father's Day here in the United States. Uh, this exhortation was given by Brother Russ Patterson at the Verdugo Hills Ecclesia and was sent in by several people uh, as a recommendation. Uh, Brother Russ pulled both from a special reading that he requested, Psalm 103, and then also a hymn that he requested as well, Hymn 395 out of the Green Hymn Book. So, if you want to look at either of those so you know some of the context of this exhortation, feel free. Uh, a little background on this, because this is a special exhortation that Brother Russ is giving. Uh, Brother Russ has been a pillar of Verdugo Hills for many, many years. Uh, he makes a joke about being one of the oldest exhorters that the Ecclesia has ever had when he gave this exhortation. Uh, but he hasn't exhorted at Verdugo in close to four years since the lockdown surrounding COVID. Um, and the topic of his exhortation is joy. And in a way, this exhortation could almost be described as Brother Russ's approach to life in the truth and the way that he approaches his hope and the joy that he feels. Because what he describes in this exhortation embodies who he is there is a joy and an enthusiasm that Russ brings to everything that he does. Uh, he is just as outgoing and friendly now as ever. Whenever you see him, he always wants to talk to you and wants to know how you are doing. And he has this passion and enthusiasm about the hope that we have and the idea of sharing that with everyone and anyone that he can, he can do that with. Uh, so if you haven't met brother Russ before, and I realize a lot of you may not have, this exhortation is a perfect embodiment of who this brother is. Uh, and it is just uh, an incredibly encouraging exhortation, one that I think I'll come back to and listen, especially when I'm feeling and struggling, uh, because it is just a good reminder of what an amazing joy we have in the hope that we all have together. So thank you to those who recommended this exhortation. And I hope that you enjoy it as much as they did and as much as I did when I got to listen to it. Uh, as always, please continue to send in any suggestions or recommendations that you find, whether they be Bible classes, exhortations, or series from the Bible schools that will be going on over this summer. Also, one short programming note, as has become our tradition in the month of July, we are going to have a guest host for part of the month. The guest this time is going to be Sister Jamie O'Grady from New Zealand. Uh, she will start next week. Uh, Sister Jamie has been helping us on the podcast uh, doing some of the social media work in the background and also some of the other behind-the-scenes tasks. Uh, so we have been very thankful to have her working on this project with us, and we're very excited that she was interested and willing to be able to share some talks that have some special meaning to her. So you can look forward to hearing a few of those talks from her with her intro starting next week. So now with that programming note out of the way, I will turn it over to Brother Russ Patterson for an exhortation that I hope you enjoy as much as I did on the subject of joy. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. 
and happy Father's Day to all you wonderful fathers out there. Apparently, this is the first. You've never had anybody that's as old as I am speak to you before. I'm not from this place. So this is a first. And I hope when you get through, you'll say, well, I'm glad you came. <laughs> anyway, joy. That's a beautiful subject, isn't it? And my topic is rejoice in the Lord. No, that's not the, yeah. The joy of the, the joy of living in Christ now and beyond. And as it says in Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. And I say, rejoice. And I thank Kay for taking, tackling that hymn. She mentioned it was a tough one. So you sure did it beautifully, though, Kay. It really worked out good. Well, the Bible mentions joy, joyous, joyfulness, rejoicing at least 215 times. And that makes it sound pretty important, doesn't it? To be repeated that many times. And it's a wonderful thought. Joy. And so far, we've had a whole lot of joy already in the readings. And that's wonderful. But I want to quote this one verse that's so, I don't know where to put it in my exhortation, but I wanted to put it in or someplace. It's in Psalm 30, verse 5. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And so that's just a nice verse to remember. Okay. In the beginning, God tells his purpose in creating the earth. I'm going to quote four verses that show this. First of one's in Revelation 4.11, which says, Thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure, or joy, they are and were created. And that's what pleasure means, his will or joy. Isaiah 45.18 he created the earth, not in vain. He created it to be inhabited. Numbers 14, 21, as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. And Habakkuk 2, 14, for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So we see he created the earth to bring pleasure and joy to himself and I think to others. It involved people, it involved the earth, it involved filling the earth with his glory, and it involved people who knew his purpose. That was why he created the earth. So this would happen. The earth would be filled with his glory, with people who knew him and understood his ways, people who were committed to glorifying him and to committing their love to him. And so the Bible, we find out, is a book of joy. A lot of people don't think that, but it's a book of joy, which tells us how we can share in that wonderful book, our wonderful joy. There's much in the Bible, as you know, that doesn't talk about joy. There's a lot of things in there that are not very joyous. But that's not God's fault. That's man's fault. 
for their wickedness kept would keep God from fulfilling his purpose if he allowed it to continue. So he had to stop it. And he did once severely with the flood, didn't he? Eight people were saved, yet God had to protect his wonderful purpose to fill the earth with his glory. Because if he allowed men to go on, it would be so wicked, it wouldn't ever happen. <clears throat> and that's why he brought the curses and the flood and so forth on man. But his goodness is always there. An example of how God desires joy in our service to him is in Deuteronomy chapter 28. It's a chapter that deals curses and wickedness for Israel. And it's one verse that tells why God had to bring those, purpose, those curses. That's verse 47. It says, because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart. Now the nation thought that they were pleasing the Lord when they did sacrifices and things under the law. But they did these things as ends unto themselves. They didn't do them unto God with joy. So they weren't serving God out of joy and the love in their heart, therefore they received curses. And notice well how God says what he says about their religion. In Isaiah 1, verse 11, we see God's reaction to their offerings. And this is really severe. You all know what it is. For to what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, says the Lord. I'm full of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goats. Bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination to him. That's pretty severe statements, isn't it? Because they were doing things, but they were not doing them for the right reasons or for the right purpose. They were doing them for themselves and not for him. We need to remember that. But God gives us directions in how to serve him. And they are not, as I said, not ends in themselves, but directions to us as to how we can grow to please him and fulfill his ultimate purpose, a purpose to bring joy and praise and honor him. One needed to be faithful to God in his purpose and to be joyful. For in doing these things, his mind is transformed, as it says it must be in Romans 2, 12. The gospel is full of joy. You know, Jesus lived for such a short time, but in that three years, he did so much joy to people. He brought joy to hundreds, maybe thousands. He cured so many people of their problems. And if you just think of those, those curings and the healings that God did, it brings joy to you today. Think of the blind man who was, who was cured. He could see his wife and his children for the first time. He could see a sunset. And the deaf, he could hear his children laugh and receive joy from his family and from others 
as he shared ideas. <clears throat> and think of Jairus, who's, who could hold his little daughter on his lap once more. What joy that would bring. And all the other miracles, to all those who were cured, what joy they had is their life was changed because now they could work and they could walk and they could do things that they couldn't do before because of their healing. <clears throat> now, I have many reasons for great joy as a result of knowing God. And I'm going to share my reasons with you. And I think you may agree with me most of the time, and we hope all the time. First of all, I'm filled with joy because of you. You know, it's a, it's a blessing to have people who share your faith and to you can share other things with. It's a joy to know and love you. That's number one. Next. It's a blessing for me to know that God is always merciful and loving. That is, means so much to me. The Lord reveals himself as merciful, gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And will no means, by no means clear the guilty. That, of course, is in Exodus 34 that you're, you're familiar with. But there's another re reference I'm going to refer to. <clears throat> it says almost the same things, but it adds one thought that I want you to remember. That's in Micah 7, 18. And as I said, there's one addition in this reference. And I can see why in that addition why God is merciful and forgiving. God, excuse me, who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of his remnant, of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. That's the key. He delights in mercy. He wants to extend mercy to us. Now, isn't that a wonderful thought? He wants to extend mercy to us. He delights in it. He wants to forgive me of my sins. He, Almighty God, cares enough for me to want to forgive my sins and wants to give me a place in the kingdom. Now, I'm not perfect. I'm, some of you may know that. <laughs> you all know I'm not perfect. And so I might think, well, I don't deserve all this. Well, that's true. I don't. I don't deserve God's mercy because I'm not worthy of it. But because of his love and care, I have that blessing to look forward to and have forgiveness. And notice how complete. Now, God spends a lot of time to show how his forgiveness is so complete. He wants us to be sure of it. <clears throat> well, we read this verse this morning in 100, Psalm 103. Like as a father pitieth or has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion or loves them that fear him. Our God is like a father. 
who loves his children. We can understand that relationship, especially those of you on Father's Day, you can understand that relationship that God has with us. <clears throat> he loves his children and loves each one. Knowing that God is a merciful and long-suffering Father brings great joy to me. I just wouldn't want to be without that. So I rejoice in all my serving, knowing that in all of God's commands, his purpose was to prepare me for the joy that he has in store. He delights in mercy. Now notice how he deals with sins. We read this in the Psalm 103 also. He will not always chide. No, he won't always care about that. Neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us, and hasn't dealt with me after my sins, but rewarded me according to my iniquities. If he did remember my sins, there would be no hope. Now this idea is repeated in Psalm 130. And I like to know this, that Psalm 103 and Psalm 130, one, three, and zero. Same place, same idea. And there it says, as far as, if thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, who should stand? My sins are totally disposed of. Going back to the Psalm we read, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath they removed my transgressions from me. I am so glad and so happy to realize that I can serve a God who is a forgiving father. He suffers when I suffer. He rejoices when I rejoice. In a recent article in the Tidings, in, a, in an article about mourning about the dead, the author, author mentioned that when he lost his 22-year-old daughter in an accident, that God grieved along with him. Isn't that a nice thought? God grieves when we grieve. Um, and I'm beginning to appreciate this that God is part of my life. When I do well, he's happy. He has great joy. When I do well, poor, he's saddened. That's a closeness that we have, that we're blessed to have with our God. And I'm also have great joy because God sent his son, Jesus. Jesus, who lived a life overcoming sin, who lived a life doing well, who suffered on the cross as a perfect sacrifice for my sins. Now, as we mentioned, I can only be counted righteous because I am in Christ and because of their great mercy and grace. It's not something that I earned or I deserved. It's only through the undeserved love of God and his son, Jesus, and by their grace that I have hope in any future life. But I do have hope because of them. 
Thank you, Jesus. God has given me so many blessings which bring me joy and security. I think of Psalm 34, 7. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. God sends his angels to watch over me. What a blessing that is. And I know there are many times when that angel must have been embarrassed to save me from my mistakes. And there are times when I may, I realize there are times when I think the angel did his job and delivered me. But he's always there. And he delivers me from my mistakes and errors or situations. The Lord has said in Hebrews 13 and 5, I will never leave you, neither will I forsake you. He'll never leave me, never forsake me. He'll never forget me or you. And that brings me great joy and security. He will, he remembers that I am dust. He understands human nature, of course, because he made it. He knows how I struggle to overcome sin. He knows tragedies in my life. He knew when our house burned to the ground, and he knows and he cares. Praise God. I need to be joyful. Oh, this is a new thought. I need to be joyful sometimes when I shouldn't be joyful. My brethren, says James in chapter 1, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of faith worketh patience. Temptations and trials are not joyful. But when I remember what they do for me, if I properly think about them, I realize how to react to trials and temptations. Trials give me patience and endurance, it says. So I rejoice in my trials. I try to. And when I realize that, when I realize that they help to prepare me for greater joy for the kingdom of God that is to come. So trials in that way, in that light, are a blessing. And I can rejoice in them. Now, I have difficulty with this. Because it's hard to rejoice when things are not going well. But if we stop and remember that they are there for a purpose, and God may bring them right upon us, or sometimes it's our own willfulness that brings about our problems. And that's why we can understand how Paul and Silas could do what they did. They were doing what God wanted them to do, but they were beaten by the Jews and with many stripes and their feet fastened in the stocks, their backs bleeding and, and their body hurting, they prayed and sang praises unto God. In all that difficulty, they sang praises and thanks to God. And we know that the jailer heard them doing this, and wonderful things happened. After that, 
And it's the only way I can understand how Jesus could say about his crucifixion. It's a verse that, that, uh, that uh, what's his name back here, gave in his prayer. You know, that happens when you get older. You get, things block out. I've known Christian for 50 years, and yet I couldn't remember his name. But he quoted this verse from Hebrews 12 and 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God, of the throne of God. And despising means to, to think down upon or not be worried about. It. He wasn't concerned about the embarrassment that he was going to be hanging on the cross for everybody to see that was around. He didn't even think about that. But there was joy set before him. And the results of his ordeal, I think he was thinking that through his sacrifice, millions, along with me and you, would be redeemed to their creator, and the earth would be filled with people reflecting God's glory. So I can just keep thinking about all these things and I think God does love me and he reminds me of that in many places we talked about one already he doesn't have to do that because but he does because that's who he is so I'm joyful that I'm secure in his love and he loved me before I loved him that's First John 4, that's what you would have read last night in your readings, if you read. That this verse brings me joy. I have the assurance that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from that. We read in Romans chapter 8, all whole list of things. None of these things can separate us from the love of God. And I'll read them to you. Shall tribulation? No. Distress? Persecution? Or famine? Or nakedness? Or peril? Or sword? For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, getting kind of redundant almost. There's so many things that shows it won't separate us. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing can separate me or you from his love. If that's not something that brings you a bit of joy, I don't know what else you could have. And the very promise of the kingdom is another great reason for joy. Excitement for that day to come gets more and more exciting as we see the things happening around in Israel and other places in the world now. And that blessing is described in 1 Timothy 2.9. If you want to make, see this again, you look it up. I hath not seen, ears have not heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. 
We tell them we can't really cope, at least I can't, really comprehend what that will be. It's beyond me. You haven't ever seen it or you haven't heard about it. But God has prepared it for people like me. How wonderful it will be. Something I can't imagine. Shout for joy. What a joyous occasion this is going to be if we're part of that. Thank him for his unspeakable love. Now, I'm going to conclude this little talk by two verses in the little bitty book of Jude. Now, I was never fond of the book of Jude, but these two verses set it aside and make it so important to me and I think to you. Jude, verses 24 and 25, you'll all recognize it because we have it in a hymn. Now unto him that is able to keep me from falling, and to present me faultless before the throne of his presence of his glory. And he does it with exceeding joy. That, that phrase, God wants to do it. He desires to do it because he loves those who follow him. <clears throat> now, I'm not faultless, but God says he'll keep me faultless. Maybe that involves the angels or God's intervention in my life. And he presents me, no, he keeps me from falling. That's from the angels and from guiding in my life. And he presents me faultless. And that's got to mean that he forgives me. Anybody in here faultless? No. I guess if we're forgiven, we are faultless. Well, that's what he's telling about. He's going to forgive us. And he does it all with exceeding joy. Now, the word exceeding means greater, greater joy, with exceeding joy. Think about God. He wants to do this. It brings him joy. There's heaven. There's joy in heaven when a, when a sinner repents. <clears throat> and so there's joy. Can you think about joy in heaven? When we're doing what's right, I think that happens. God is close to all of us, and he's happy. He's pleased when we do what's right. And so I'm convinced, though I don't deserve it, that God loves me. He's concerned about me. I'm important to him. And that's important to me, too. It goes along with Micah when I tell you about that God delights to show mercy. Praise the Lord. You too have the same joys as I have. That's a joyful thing, isn't it? Now we're going to break bread and drink wine in memory of our salvation, how it came about. Jesus lived a life of doing good for others a life without sin. He went about doing good, setting a pattern for me to follow. His blood was shed as he suffered on the cruel cross so that my sins could be forgiven. How blessed I am as I rejoice together with you in God's undeserved mercy. 
more could be said. But we have joy in so many things. But in these last days that we wait for the coming of Jesus, I just dwell on this and I think without this hope, things would be a lot more dreary, wouldn't they? We wouldn't have something to look forward to out of this morass of sin and death and wickedness that we live in. <clears throat> People continue to be more evil and destructive as they shoot each other and kill each other and do mean things all the time. But to have God in my life today, in the middle of stress and wickedness, it brings me joy and peace to know and this hope that is both sure and steadfast. And as I project to the time of the kingdom, my joy will be beyond my comprehension. By the grace of God, on that day, Jesus will say to me, by his grace, and to you, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Think of it. Enter into God's joy. His original purpose to plan this earth to be filled with his joy. And we can enter into that great joy. What greater joy could we ever have? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Thank you for listening to the Good Christadelphian Talks podcast. We hope this talk helped you in your walk. If you would like to hear more, please subscribe for new episodes and leave a review in Apple Podcast or whichever service you are using to help more people find the show when they search for it. If you enjoyed this particular talk, please share it with someone who you think might enjoy it as well. For show notes on the talk you just listened to, visit our show page at anchor.fm slash GCT or check the show notes section of your podcast player. Please share your thoughts on the talk from this week on our Facebook or Instagram pages, where we are at Good Christadelphian Talks, on Twitter, where we are at GCT underscore podcast, or leave a comment on our YouTube channel where these talks are posted as well. If you know of a great talk, we want to know about it too. Send a suggestion to our email at goodchristadelphiantalks at gmail.com or message us on any of our social media accounts. Thank you for listening. God bless and talk to you next week.